Welcome to the Classic City Church Podcast. At C3, we exist to help people pattern their lives after Jesus. This message was first given as part of our teaching series at C3. All right, we're continuing the Gospel of Mark, and just before I begin, I just want to say it's really cool what we're doing at the YMCA. I didn't get to go to the last one um, as I had to stay home, but Esther... Uh, was uh, we'll get a picture one of these days. I asked her to take a a picture of the group that's doing the financial peace course, but it's awesome. We got 22 people uh, at the YMCA. It's in the like the little chapel room that's at the back. As you uh, as you enter from the main parking lot, it's like on your left before you get to reception, um, and that room is just absolutely jam packed, uh, full of people uh, that are uh, learning to get better with their finances. Um, but and learning how to live uh, generous uh, lives uh, free from debt. Uh, but also really the cool thing is that, you know, like half the people are from church, half the people aren't from church. And there's a deeper thing that we're trying to do other than just help people with their money. We want to do that. We obviously want to help pe- people with their money. We want to meet a need in the community. But the biggest thing is like, you know, that we are just helping to show them just Jesus. And it's just a really good environment. Um, it's been a lot of fun, at least the first one that I went to, and hopefully Esther was able to hold down the fort. Did she do okay? She did okay. Okay. She exceeded expectations. That's good. It's okay. I'll make sure I make her lunch then when I get home. She's worthy of it. Good. All right, we are going to continue in the Gospel of Mark today. We are going to pick up in chapter 12. Also, if you're a youth as well, um, Maya is out, so there's no youth. I'm sorry. You're going to have to listen to me. So hopefully I can keep you awake this morning. All right, Mark chapter 12, starting at verse 13. This is what it says. Later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians uh, to Jesus to catch him in his words. Uh, They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. But you teach the way of God in accordance to, with his truth, with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He said, he asked, bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Raise your hand if you just love tax season. Go on, if you just love paying those taxes. Go on, if you just, you know, January 1st rolls around and your just blood is just pumping and you just get so excited, you hop out of bed, it's like, all right, let's get all those tax forms around. I can't wait to give my money to the, back to the government. Who's excited about that? Said no one. No one likes paying taxes. You're crazy if you like paying taxes. Taxes are always confusing. They're unpleasant. And they are always, sometimes they blow to the wallet. But what would happen if we didn't have taxes? Right? We'd have no police. We'd have no fire. Our roads would be completely destroyed like they are in Michigan. Apparently, they, maybe they don't pay road tax. I don't know what's going on up there. But taxes at least 
Some of taxes, they're never fun, but sometimes at least some taxes are necessary as a society, right? It's not like each man for itself nowadays. Like it's good to have some of those things in our society. In Jewish culture, in the first century, there were Jews paid local taxes. They paid temple taxes. If you were from the region of Galilee, then you paid Herod's taxes. But then once a year, there would be a special tax to what's called a tribute tax to Caesar. It's a, it's a poll tax. And uh, this is what it's talking about in our, in our passage today, this poll tax to Caesar, this imperial tax. And um, this went beyond just hurting the Jews' wallets, that this uh, kind of tax was a complete insult uh, to the Jews. Um, first off, like, this is their home country, right? They're being overrun in their own country, right? They're supposed to be a free country. They're supposed to be free from, uh, you know, this is the promised land, right? And yet there's somebody who has authority over them, right? Caesar and Rome, right? They are not in charge of their own household. They're in their home, but their household is being run by somebody else. It's like losing on home court advantage, right? It's basketball season, right? Nobody likes losing on their own home court. <coughs> All right, going on, we'll just pack up, we'll just um, unpack this passage line by line. It says, later, they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch Jesus in his own words, that Jesus is getting hounded by, and they're asking questions about his authority. Where is your authority going? Where is, and they're trying to set out trap after trap after trap after Jesus. And last week that we saw that they asked Jesus about his authority in which he responded into a parable. And again, it's, it's, it's like that Mark is showing this, that there's a great urgency that they want to get rid of Jesus. That Jesus, there's a lot of uh, a support around Jesus. The crowds are in, in favor of Jesus, at least at this point. And it's almost like that Jesus is taking on like a flurry of punches and he's defending himself one after another after another, right? That, that there's this showing that Mark's trying to show that there's this great urgency that they want to get rid of Jesus and they want to get rid of Jesus now. But one of the most ironic things about this passage is that it's the Herodians and the Pharisees who come together, they work together to try to get rid of Jesus. Well, the Herodians, if you know anything about the Herodians, they are supporters of Rome. They have decided that they're going to get their own. They're going to get rich. They don't care. They're going to part with Caesar. They're going to be on Caesar's side. They're in bed with Rome, right? And I don't care about anybody else. That's, we're just going to go with it so we can get ours. And they're not liked by very many people, especially by the Pharisees. The Pharisees are the teachers of the law, the guardians of the Torah, right? They're the ones who are the faithful, are supposed to be like the faithful Jews, these two are about polar opposites as much as possible. But what happens to two people who are enemies is that when they find a common enemy, all of a sudden they become friends. It's kind of sad to say. Nothing brings people together like a common enemy. In verse 14, it says, They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. 
What a bunch of suck-ups. Obviously, this is fake flattery. But the ironic thing is that everything that they say is actually true about Jesus. This is the funny thing. They say, um, you have integrity. Does Jesus have integrity? Yes, Jesus has integrity. Uh, You aren't just swayed by the crowds, kind of teach whatever you want. No, I mean, Jesus... He says some really difficult things. He's, you know, he, he tells us in things in truth and love. He loves us, but man, Jesus says some really hard things. Does Jesus teach the way of God? Yeah. Yeah, he teaches the way of God. So which is funny that they, they tell him this, but it's all actually true. But it's not actually flattery for Jesus. They're just trying to set their little trap and try to call Jesus out. And this is what they say, moving on our text. They say, is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? Okay, back to this poll tax that we talked about earlier, this tribute tax. Um, The coin was called a denarius. And there should be a picture of the coin that comes up on the screen. There we go. There is Caesar at the time. Uh, His name is Tiberius Caesar. And it's actually around his head, there's a little inscription. And what this inscription says is that Tiberius Caesar is the son of the divine Augustus. Now on the back of it, in Latin, it says the high priest. So the, 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 high, the, the emperors at that time, they were routinely uh, called the priest of the Roman cult. So it actually says, son of God and high priest. Son of God and high priest. And this is really, 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 really offensive to Jews because they weren't allowed to have any engraven images. They weren't even supposed to have engraven images of like a plant, let alone a human. If you had that, that was a big deal. That, that you were not supposed to worship anything or anybody except for God himself. There's a group called the Zealots at this time, and they actually re- absolutely refused to even touch this coin. Right? They were like, ugh, get it away. It's awful. This is a blasphemous coin. Right? Son of God and high priest. It's, adul- it's idolatrous, right? It, it's, it's blasphemous. And the ironic thing about this is that they are standing in the temple with Jesus, the place where true worship or, or, or where the, the presence of God was supposed to be most uh, experienced, and yet they are standing in front of the Son of God and Jesus, who is the great high priest. This is like the most ironic scene ever that Mark is painting us. It's, it's beautiful. It's captivating. And here's the problem. Here's the, the difficulty or the back to the trap about their question. That if Jesus says, yes, pay Caesar, he's going to lose immediate support of the crowds. 
See, the, the Jews, they were convinced and rightfully convinced. There's so much that points in the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures that says the coming Messiah would be like a great king and warrior, that he's going to drive out the, the Gentiles or the, the pagan uh, oppressors, and they're, they're going to lead their people back to freedom, right? They're going to... They're gonna, they're going to be a great nation again, and they're not going to be oppressed anymore. And, there's, and then rightfully so that there was like this big expectation that Jesus was going to do all of this. So if Jesus says, ah, go ahead and pay Caesar, what's going to happen is the crowds are going to turn against him. But if Jesus says, don't pay Caesar, then he's in direct rebellion right away from Caesar and he can be immediately arrested and they can uh, execute Jesus. But Jesus' time has not come for him to be arrested and die on the cross yet, at least yet. Moving on in our text, it says, But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked. Jesus exposes their true motive to the crowds. Jesus says, look, you're not really here to find out an answer. You're not really here just to tell me I'm a great teacher or this or that or whatever. You're actually, you're just here to tra tra trap me. Jesus goes on to say, bring me one of these denarius, these, this tribute penny coin, right? And let me look at it. So they brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription Caesar's, they replied. Obvious answer. Verse 17. Then Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. This is more about than just saying, Be a good citizen and pay your taxes where they belong, and you should follow the law and all of that. Yes, you should pay your taxes. Otherwise, you will be in jail eventually. Do not, do not not pay your taxes. Pay your taxes, please. But this is like saying, see this coin? Whose face is on it? It's Caesar's. Caesar made this. If it means so much to Caesar, give it back to Caesar. But what also Jesus says in here, and I think this is the whole point of the whole passage, he says, give to God what is God's. Give to God what actually belongs to God's. But the question for today is, what is God's? Well, this saying that Jesus says actually draws them back to the creation story of when God first made human beings. In Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord formed a man, a man from the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. <laughs> and the man became a living being. It's that when, when God first made us, when he, God first created us in the Garden of Eden, he took the dust of the earth that he shaped and formed and he breathed his life into us. And as he was shaped and formed and created first human beings, that God's fingerprints were all over us. That human beings were meant to be with God. They were meant to be like God. They were meant to reflect God's image. This is called the image of God. But as sin broke into the world, as, as our rebellion came into the world, that image began 
to fade, that God created us to be with him, to be like him, and to reflect that beautiful image that we were to show all of humanity, all of our world, who our God really is. So back to this passage is what, what does Jesus say here? He says, oh, Caesar can have a stupid coin. Look in the mirror. Who do you belong to? Who are you supposed to reflect? That's right. You're supposed to, you're supposed to reflect God. Meaning, give God every single part of your life. Your entire life is supposed to reflect God. Give it. His fingerprint is all over you. This image, it's Caesar. This image belongs to God. So today, what does that mean for us today? We don't have Caesar ruling over us anymore. We have our government sometimes. Maybe our work. Maybe relationships. Give to Caesar what's Caesar and give to God what's God. How do we, how do, we do this? What does this mean for us today? How do we live a life of work and play and rest and family, and all of the different things that go in our lives. How do we give to our lives, but give to God what is God's? I think we live in a world where so much of our lives is tried to be compartmentalized into different blocks. That we have our school and our work box, and we come home and we have our family box, and we have our social box, whatever we want to do, uh, let's be honest, we're, most of us are watching like three hours of Netflix every night. We have, and that's also our entertainment box. For some of us, hopefully, we have a gym box or a health box, um, maybe uh, a diet box. Um, if you're like me, you have at least a cheat day box, right, with some good treats in it, hopefully. Some chips, that's my, that was my thing, right? Maybe a couple cheat day boxes, I don't know. The problem with this mentality is that we also treat it like we have a spirituality box. And the difficulty with that is that this box, the spirituality box, is about that big. And the rest of our lives is just about this big. <laughs> right? And, and we separate these two things. And we say, well, these, this, is the, this is the stuff that I do with God and the rest of everything else. Is, is stuff that God doesn't really care about. There's a sacred box, and then there's kind of what we call a, a secular box. And a sacred box, we think, oh, those are things that God really cares about, right? And, and if we add up those things, think about it like what we call kind of like the, the spiritual things, right? The spiritual things like going to church, uh, praying, uh, being a part of a Bible study. If you're really hardcore and you're a follower of Jesus, maybe it's doing like a daily devotion, if you did all of those things, including going to a Bible study in a small group midweek and everything, that still only makes up about 5% of your life. So what do you do with the rest of it? Compartmentalizing us from the secular and the sacred doesn't work like that because it actually there's no grounds for scripture in it. That everything in the Bible and everything to Jesus is actually spiritual. Everything about us being human is spiritual. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, verse 1, um, and this actually comes from the message translation. It says, so here's what I want you to do. 
God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and place it to God as an offering. So my question for each and every one of us today is, am I giving to God what is God's? And the other side of that coin is, what am I holding back from God? What area of my life am I not giving to God? If Jesus Christ gave everything to us on the cross, and he created us, God created us in his image, God owns everything of our entire lives. Is there any part of our lives that we're holding back from him? No, I'm not saying for you to go and quit your day job and then become a pastor or a monk. That would not be a good thing. <coughs> what I am saying is that to look at every little facet of your life and is it holy and pleasing to God? Are the choices you're making, is the time that you're doing, is it honoring or is it worshipful to God? Are you living a life that's 24-7 constant worship to God, I think sometimes that we don't think that like the thing that we do that where we spend most of our time in is actually our nine to five jobs or whenever we work, right? The, mo the majority of our times, but actually that when God created us, that our work is actually a way to serve him. That whatever you do in your, in your, your, your life, your main work is actually can be used to glorify Jesus, that your whole life, your whole walking around, that's why I love this, what the Apostle Paul says in this passage is because it's like an offering. What's an offering? An offering is to bring worship to God. I think often, like, what do we think about worship is, oh, I'm coming to church, I'm going to sing four songs on a Sunday, and then I'm going to go home. And that's my worship to God. But actually, everything that we do, everything that we are, should be worship to God. So again, to our question is, am I giving God what is God and what am I holding back? And just brainstorming some things about your, maybe your current job or the way that you serve God in your nine to five or however you spend the majority of your time week to week. Maybe it's doing your job with the most utmost integrity and honesty while asking Jesus to be a bright light shining in your life. Maybe it means not gossiping with others at work or joining in with crude humor just because everybody else is doing it. Maybe it's not finding ways to cheat your work, but going above and beyond in every single category. Or as a student, doing the best work of your capability and making sure that it is actually your work and not somebody else's work. Maybe it's just being outrageously generous and people looking at like, why is that person so kind? Why are they just randomly blessing people in our work? Why are they just so such generous givers or tippers or, or whatever? Maybe you're living in such a way that people look at your life and just question, how can those people be so loving, so kind? How can they always just say such uplifting words when life is just so difficult? Maybe it's just starting a, prayer, a short prayer meeting with some work colleagues before you start the workday, getting there five minutes early and just asking a few, low, uh, starting with a few 
um, normal, or not normal, a few believers that you know that are in your workplace and say, can we just pray for five minutes before we begin the day? Maybe it's being more intentional, uh, intentional about sharing your faith in your workplace or, or wherever you spend the majority of your time. Maybe it's just simply um, using that time to, to pray over your work colleagues in your mind or in your heart. There's lots of different ways that we can put Jesus right into the, every part, every single facet of our day. That Jesus, the presence of Jesus, should permeate our entire lives. Whatever we do all day long or play or whatever isn't outside of the kingdom of God. It should be right at the center of it. So I'm going to leave us with this question. If you guys would like to stand with me, I'll ask the band if they want to come back up. Again, my question for us today is what are you giving to God? And what are you holding back? Go ahead and close your eyes. I'm just going to kind of just lead us in a response. I want you to just think or picture in your mind, and we all have these places in our, in our lives of where we hold back from God, where we don't give him completely everything. Where is it that we've not fully rendered or fully given everything over to Jesus? Jesus has not hold anything back from us. And I just want you to lean into that. Don't, don't be afraid of it, but just lean into that thought. Where is it right now that you're just, you're holding back you're saying this is part of my life. I don't want to change his life, whatever. And I just want you if, you, if you're ready to, just be really courageous and choose to trust Jesus with that area of your life. Ask him how it can be holy, how it can be pleasing. How can that part of your, work, your life be, be transformed and, and made new, more into the image of God? I invite you now just to open your heart and to surrender that area to God. Jesus, Lord, we just thank you that you, we are created in your image, Lord, that we are created in love. We are created for love, Lord. I pray that each and every one of us, Lord, would just radiate the presence of Jesus as we leave this place, God, Lord. I pray that you would transform each and every person. Lord, may every single part of our lives just be given fully over to you. Lord, we thank you that you didn't hold anything back as you gave your life on the cross for us. May our lives not be hold, hold anything back to you, Jesus. May we fully entrust you that you have the best life for us, a life to the full. Pray that you give us the power of the Holy Spirit to, us, to do this, to empower us and to send us. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that this message helps you to grow in a relationship with Jesus. Connect with us at classiccitychurch.org.